Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This podcast is the lead sponsor for the Hey, Amarillo Beer Fest coming up this Saturday, July 23, at Starlight Ranch. It starts at 6 p.m., and this fun event features live music, beer tasting, food trucks, and a celebration of local beer culture. You'll be able to sample beer from independent breweries from Amarillo, Lubbock, Dumas, Borger, and beyond. That's this Saturday night, July 23rd, at Starlight Ranch. Learn more at starlightranch.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to the College Prep School Ascension Academy, online at ascensionacademy.org, and the Early Childhood Education Provider Opportunity School, online at opportunityschool.com. Read the free e-edition of our July-August brunch issue at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Johnny Tara, one of the three partners at Lovelady Pruitt Tara CPAs and Advisors. You'll hear from Johnny's accent that he's not originally from this area. He's a native of Brazil who came to the Texas Panhandle to play college basketball, and he ended up staying. Over the past few years, Johnny launched a successful accounting and consulting firm, originally as a side gig, and then recently leveraged that into a partnership with a much more established local CPA firm. So we talk about his upbringing in Brazil, his choice to stay in Texas after college, and why he gets so much fulfillment serving individuals and businesses here in Amarillo. Here's Johnny Terra. Johnny Terra, welcome to the Hamarillo Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Jason, for inviting me to be here. I'm so excited, really. Well, I'm excited to uh, to have you on the show. I know that we have spoken in a podcast format before uh, for something that you were doing uh, that was video-based, uh, but I'm glad to have you in this setting. So I, I want to start with you the same way I've started with all my guests, and that's just to ask why you're here. How did you end up in the Amarillo area? I have a very neat story, too. It's, uh, you know, I'm originally from Brazil, from Rio de Janeiro. I got here in the U.S. in 2008 with a basketball scholarship with Wayland Baptist University in Plainview, Texas. Okay. Didn't know any English. I didn't know how to speak. I didn't know anything what was going on. How did Wayland <laughs> encounter you as a basketball player? Um, back in 92, there was a Brazilian basketball player that actually graduated from Wayland. And in Brazil, we don't have like college ball. We have club balls. Okay. So they all divided by years. And that guy that played at Wayland was playing for the professional team. And I was rebounding for him and all mm-hmm. that. And he started talking. He's like, hey, do you want to go to the United States? I think you have an opportunity there. I was like, yeah, I would love to. So he started contacting a few people. And he contacted Waylon. And they watched one of my videos. And the coach called me saying, like, hey, we have a scholarship for you. So I got here Martin Luther King Day of really? 2008. Okay. So uh, since then, it's been blessed ride, I would say. Before we talk about anything else, like, did you, when you were growing up in Brazil, did you, like, do kids dream of playing basketball, things like that? Was that something that you dreamed about, or did you just happen to have the size and and got the attention of of some people in in the panhandle here? You know, Brazil, it's everything soccer, and then a little bit of volleyball and very little basketball, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you see the Olympics and the success that the volleyball team has done in the past. Of course, I can, can speak for soccer. Right? We all know about that. Um, 
as a soccer player, they put me in the, as a goalie just because of my size. You yeah. know? And it's like, yeah, that's not what I really want to do. And and again, school and sports are separate. So since Rio de Janeiro is hot year round, mm -hmm. so you really just pick one sport, what you want to do, and then you kind of play all year round from January through December. And I started playing basketball. I really enjoyed doing that. And I was like, okay, I, I think I'm, I'm going to continue to do that. Okay. Listeners can't see how tall you are. How What's, what's your height? I'm six eight. Okay. Um, well, and one of the funny stories I tell everyone they were getting to know me is uh, my wife when we were in Plainview, she was a third grade teacher and went to their class talk about Brazil, you know, world history and all that. And they're saying like, "Hey, you are six foot ridiculous." <laughs> <laughs> and instead of instead of speaking Portuguese, you speak pork and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> So um, my wife is 6'2", and we have tall babies. Yeah. Um, James is three and a half years old right now. Charlotte is a uh, year and a half, and we have a negative two months on the way. Okay, uh, so just a, a few weeks out then. Yeah, J Ryan Lucas, he'll be born around August 31st, and, and I think we're done after him. Okay. Did she play <laughs> basketball? Too? She did. That's okay. how we met. We, right. She got a scholarship at Wayland as well, and... During the basketball trips, we will travel together, men and women, to play in Oklahoma um, for the weekend. And and their practice were either before or after our practice. So that's kind of where we became really good friends throughout mm -hmm. college. But we really started talking about dating and engagement and marriage only just after we graduated. Before we get into anything else, what was your perspective on this area when you came here? Like when you're coming from Rio, mm -hmm. it's a very different climate and environment than certainly Plainview, Texas, definitely Amarillo. Um, so when you arrived here to go to school to play basketball, do, do you remember what you thought of this area? Oh, yes, especially the very first scene. You know, we flew from Dallas to Lubbock Airport, and my coach was supposed to pick me up there. And I looked down on the airplane, I saw these big circles on the ground. It was like, what is going on here? I got to find out later. That's the irrigation system for the farmers right. at that area. And then the ride, two seats in front of me, you know, there were a guy with full cowboy suit, you know, the hat, the belt, the, everything. And I was like, okay. Um, the great thing about it is like Plainview is a small town. You have the family atmosphere. Everybody kind of embraced me and kind of helped me be part of the community and maybe like a home away from home. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, there was no distractions, a school and basketball. Right. Um, not uh, a lot to do. Not all to do. Yeah. So we'll either have to drive through, you know, Lubbock or, or Amarillo to do something at the time. But it, it helped me with my school and basketball just because, again, I didn't know any English. Uh, first semester here, I was lost. I was letting my, my teammates go in front of me on the basketball drills. Like, okay, I'll go there. i go there. <laughs> I've, I've talked to a lot of people who maybe came here as – immigrants or refugees when they were kids and it was easy for kids to learn the language it was very hard for their grown-up parents to learn the language and, and of course you arrived sort of in between i mean you're still a, a teenager but you're going to college like was that a struggle to to learn english yes and but at the same time no we i love talking to people kind of like what we're doing right now we even getting to know everyone and their story it was really hard for me to sit in the cafeteria and not talk to anyone mm -hmm. so my first teachers at the time gave me a lot of like kids book and I started listening and watching movies with English uh, as an audio, but subtitled in Portuguese. So okay. I can hear what you guys are saying. And 
And again, there are movies that I have seen it before multiple times, so I knew what was about to happen. So I started matching the translation with what you said. Right. And, um, and of course, you know, being in a the cat theater, just trying to engage in, in the conversation, not being worried about making a mistake. They knew that I was a foreigner, so they made fun of me. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Did you think about what you wanted to happen after your time at Wayland was over? Like, did you think, I'm going to play basketball here, I'm going to get an education, and then I'll go back to Brazil? I mean, what were you thinking at that point? Absolutely. I think majority of the foreigners that come to play any sport, they come to for a scholarship to have like a plan B. If, you know, the sports don't work, you still have the degree. But I came with the intention to get my, my numbers up, you know, your minutes, your scoring, your rebound, and all that. So then I can be a professional basketball player in Europe. Okay. I knew I wasn't good enough to play NBA, but I knew I was good o o enough to go to Europe. And a lot of people have really good careers doing mm -hmm. that. I mean, there are teams in Jordan and the Middle East and China and all kinds of places you can play. Yeah, when we have two people here from Amarillo, you know, we might know Kendall Webb and then in Danny's story, you know, they played at Wayland, they broke school records and they went to Europe to play for a couple of years. They are from Amarillo and then then Around my junior year, God really spoke to me and was like, okay, I don't think you're going to go this basketball route anymore. I mm -hmm. think you're going you're gonna to settle in. You're going to be here in the U.S. You're going to you know, get a family you know, and sit on so you can have a community around you. So okay. I didn't want to move like from team to team and, and just go to the team that paid the most and just moving my family with me. I think that's not a lifestyle I wanted. When, when did you begin to think that uh, the relationship you were developing with your wife was going to be a... A per permanent one. Like, is, is that something that influenced that decision? Um, it didn't influence the decision because it happened after we both graduated. Again, okay. I, I'm two years older than her, so I was already in the workforce while she's still finishing her degree. And then she got her first, you know, big girl job as, as a teacher. She reached out to me asking for some finances questions, you know, how to handle credit card budgeting and all that. And that's how we really just reconnected and okay. start talking again. And you know, from that, it became, hey, do you want to go to the, the, the Palo Duro Canyon? And, you know, and then it's dating, dating. And then it's like, by the time we start dating, two engagement and two wedding took less than a year. Because, right. again, we we've, we're really good friends through college. We knew each other. We knew how we were going to live, you know, our beliefs and morals and all that. So it was really fast after that. So you had already decided to stay, though, yes. once that developed. Okay. So tell me about your career. You know, when you think of somebody who has, you know, a high level athlete, you don't often think, oh, there's a guy who's going to end up as a CPA. You know, they, they become coaches or they get into sales or something like that. Like, why why did you pursue this career path? Um, my mom always joked to me. It was like, hey, you're really good in school and all that. You, you got to do something else with your life besides, you know, go to teaching or something like that. So my dad was in banking in Brazil for 26 years. Okay. So I knew I'd be surrounded around business at one point. And then took my first accounting class. And the very first day, the professor walked into me and it's like, hey, you have a knack for this. And one, I want you to change your major because <laughs> I was an international business major. It's like, hey, I need you to change your major to accounting. And two, I need you to tutor accounting for us. <laughs> so I start taking the class and tutoring other students in accounting at the same hmm. time. What did he see in you that showed him you had a knack for that? I don't know. I think it's... Just the, the, the knack for the language, understanding, you know, in accounting world, you know, the debits and the credits, understanding a balance sheet and a P&L, that stuff came really easy to me. And he's like, you're not supposed to know any of this stuff until, you know, the three, you know, 
1301 accounting, not okay. 21, you know. Uh, so from that, I one of the coolest thing about um, the my path in my life is Wayland has a graduating uh, like a dinner for graduating senior that they involve families, local families to be the host of that table. And they teach the seniors to be how to how to act in a job interview, but mm. in the dinner okay. table. Um, out of 15 tables that night, I sat with the family that it now became my boss. Okay. You know, the he was a, a local CPA. I was finishing my accounting degree. And he was like, hey, after you graduate and tax season is over, come talk to me. So I went and talked to him. You know, the next week I was already interviewing and then we got the job. So I started a CPA firm in Plainview. Then I married my wife. I was traveling for audits all the time. So as a single guy, great life. You know, per diem, not spending your money and just, just traveling all the time. Then recent married, as soon as we got back from our honeymoon, I was, I was already on the road everywhere. Um, and it's like, yeah, this is not going to work for yeah. us. So I started looking. Happy State Bank had a position as a senior accountant at the time. I was one of their financial auditors, so I knew the team already. So I started working for Happy State Bank in 2015. Okay, and I, that was here in Amarillo? Yeah, it was then? here in Amarillo. And I tr- actually drove back and forth at, for one year before we actually bought a house here because my wife already had a t- teacher contract with the Plainview ISD at the okay. time. So drove, you know, one year, we bought our home, and then we started talking about having kids. And I was like, okay. My wife wants to stay at home as you know, stay home mom. She loves kids and she loves her kids the most where she's like, okay, I can't spend time teaching all the kids while my kids are in daycare. Like, all right, I'm going to teach my kids. So I started my CPA practice on the side as a side gig, really just to make ends meet financially mm-hmm. and kind of supplement her loss of her income in our household and became with friends and family. Uh, with no prospect of clients or anything, it was just really asking if you need, you know, your taxes done. I might need, I might know a few things for business here and there. And when um, COVID hit, I think it, my business really took off because people didn't care if I had a, a office or not. Because mm-hmm. again, I was, I'm working for out of my pantry at that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and didn't care if it was just picking up the phone. You know, here's you know the, the tax return and all that. A, Here's electronic signatures. Hey, let's have this, let's schedule a Zoom meeting, you know, something like that. And they didn't care at that point. So the word got out and, you know, the business skyrocketed. But I actually had to hire a part-time person at that point. And remember, I'm still employed at Happy State Bank at the time. Okay. Uh, so I was working, you know, early in the morning and late at nights and over the weekends to get everything done. Um, but it, the sacrifices paid off. So... My wife and I, during that COVID, we were, my wife was pregnant with Charlotte. So we were like cold purple in the house. We were not really going out as much. So we lost contact with our church. And when Charlotte was older enough that we can actually get out, uh, we started driving back and forth to Plainview. And on those strips, you know, the, your kids are sleeping on the back. <laughs> we used that time to just have a conversation. And we started talking about, hey, I think we should, I should go full time on this hmm. uh, um, public accounting. And the firm is taking off where I feel like, yeah, well, there'll be some financial sacrifices, but I think we can do it. And then after two Sundays of conversations and prayers, I was like, okay, I think we can do it. Then that was Sunday. On Monday when we made up our minds, <laughs> 
Sam Lovelady and Terry Pruitt called. I was like, hey, I think we need to have a conversation. Have some lunch. I was like, where'd that come from? <laughs> so we had the conversation. We started talking about, you know, um, at that point, they wanted to hire me as a tax manager. But it was like, hey, I do have a portfolio. They're like, hey, well, I, if I would like to join the firm, I'd like to join as a partner. And it was like, oh, yeah, we need to change our conversation here. Wow. So we com- talked for about four or five months. Day one of the merger was October 16th, uh, sorry, 18th of last year, 2021, right after the tax deadline. When did you actually let go of the job at Happy then? This is another neat story, too. Um, So after throughout the whole conversation with Terry and Sam, I wanted to honor my employer. So I was like, I want to give them a 30 days notice to give plenty of time to share all the responsibilities and all that. So on Monday, I scheduled a meeting with my supervisor for Wednesday afternoon. On Wednesday morning, have you announced the merger? Yeah, okay. Um, that they had been part of a, you know, a transition with a much larger bank in Arkansas and that that was going to, yes. to change something, the ownership, everything. Yes, yes. So then, again, God's timing at the point, because I, I didn't know about the merger at all. Hmm. This was working behind the scene, and I just you know, I wanted to honor my employee. So it was September, you know, let's walk back 30 days, September 18th, where I announced it. That was about the same time that Happy, Happy State Bank announced their merger with the other bank. Okay. Um, so went through those 30 days, share all the responsibilities, and then I jumped the ship to be a full-time, you know, self-employed, a business owner, and, and all that. And that's, that's a really interesting story because people may know uh, Sam Lovelady by name. He's super involved in the community. He's been doing his job, what, he's, what he does, you know, for decades mm-hmm. around here. I, I think it's really interesting that you had not even been doing yours full-time, and then all of a sudden you're in a position you know, to join ranks with somebody like that. And I, I wonder what that felt like to you. I mean, to not only to make the step, hey, I'm going to do this full time, but also, oh, I'm going to partner, you know, with with these two guys who uh, have such a good reputation in this area. I I was honored and blessed by the whole conversation about the merger. Again, we were very open to each other and everything worked out. You know, one of the 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 tits bits and here of what I share, what I've asked Sam is like, Hey Sam, one of the things that I would love to, con- to, to change is the name. And, you know, for a CPA firm, we have some regulations of what the name can be, you know, it has to be your last name, you know, those kinds of things. But, and Sam was like, yeah, we'll change the name. That's all right. I don't mind that because Terry at that time has been a partner for six years and they haven't changed the name from the older, you know, the, the older partners that have retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam was really open to the, the just the thought of, oh, yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs> we can change the name. What was the firm called at that point? Uh, that point was Love Lady Christie and Associates. Okay. It, it's been like that because Sam and Mark Christie started that uh, back in 1996. Right. Uh, Sam has been doing that for, for a long, long time. And so with his reputation and his knowledge, I knew I needed to join a firm, established firm at that point, because tax code are getting more and more complicated mm-hmm. each year. And I needed the help to not just to keep up with the law changes, but also with getting the work done. And I wanted to spend time with Sam before he's like, hey, I'm out of here. I'm done right. with this and pick his brain, learn from one of the best in town, really, uh, how it's done and, and just kind of follow his footsteps. 
I, I share with, with our clients, you know, through the transition communication and all that, that yes, I'm six, eight and all that, but I have really big shoes to fit in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested because I know that that mergers are difficult anyway. I mean, you, you mentioned Happy. I mean, they're they're struggling with the merger of, of those companies right now. Um, and people are hearing all about that on, on social media. But like you're joining a more established firm as somebody who still has a relatively new um, CPA practice. And you're coming in, you know, with maybe younger ideas, maybe less conventional ideas, because you haven't been in the business as long as those guys. How How do you navigate that? You know, somebody like Sam, who is so experienced, so well-known, so good at what he does, then you've got this young blood coming in. Um, is, is that something that's that's a challenge to, to deal with? Believe it or not, one of the first thing I told Sam when we I first met him and went through the whole uh, back and forth is like, Sam, you're a cool old dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of the meetings we had over Zoom and he had, you know, his AirPods in and he was like ready to go. And it's like, I would have never expected. He's very high tech for someone his age. He's very tuned in to what's going on in the industry and the updates, not just the tax code, but also technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a process guy. I mean, a lean Six Sigma kind of guy where I love process improvement. I love to make things better. And Sam and Terry were really open to that. And they were looking for someone to help with that. Okay. I come with the idea that I built Terra Accounting with a flat monthly fee. You know, we include everything in your bookkeeping, taxes, payroll, your, the income taxes for the business and the business owners for a flat monthly fee. Right. That way, when you call, you not worry about how much I'm going to charge. It's already part of part of the right. price. And Sam looked at that as like, wow, this guy built a sizable portfolio part time. I wonder what he can do full time. Yeah. Um, so I in I'm really good at when the business is live and running. Sam and Terry have been really great at starting a business entity setup and succession planning. We have they're really good at the bookends. I'm really good in the middle. So the merger really create that what we say in the business world, one plus one equals three. It creates something brand new where all three partners can add they have have different skills to add to the client's success. Okay. I, I wanna ask you about you know, sort of what you've learned being someone in a position like yours as a CPA, you are, are working closely with individuals, you're working with businesses, you kind of get a sense of of how the business world is going in a place like Amarillo. And I, I wonder, now that you're in a position where you're a partner at a business, you're working you know, with, with so many people, what is business like in Amarillo? What have you learned about this community and, and the way that, um, that small businesses operate, that entre- entrepreneurship develops, all those things? Amarillo embraces small business owners. I think, you know, the hashtag shop local, I think that's something that lives here. Um, The Chamber of Commerce have done a phenomenal job at pursuing and pushing that idea into the community. You know, I think the city itself pushes, um, you know, the economic development. They push that idea of like, hey, we are here to support you. You know, even during COVID, Yes, it was it was hurtful, and you know a, lot, a few people lost their job. But Amarillo had one of the lowest unemployment rate across the yeah. nation, and I think the city has done a phenomenal job. I want to see more of that, absolutely. But um, compared to other cities and 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 shopping local, I think Amarillo knocked out of the park, literally. You are uh, 
you're you're pretty planted here at this point. I mean, you're raising your family here. You've you've got a business of your own. Like, does part of you ever think I at some point I'll go back to Brazil, or do you are you just like established and and this is where you are now? I don't think we will ever move. I think Brazil it's an amazing place for you to visit, mm-hmm. but not to live. One of the things I share with my my friends is that Brazil is a country where you don't live, you survive. In okay. a sense of, it's a third world country, lots of things is happening. But uh, the ability to for you to walk down the street or drive your truck or wear you know a smartwatch and not have to worry about your surroundings, I think that is so huge to me. I, you know, my wife and, you know, when we visit Brazil, I'm always watching my surroundings where we're going. It's like, hey, take your wedding ring off, you know, take your watch off. That way... If something happens, you know, go take take what we got, and it won't be as much. Yeah. I think we I, we're established again. My family is in Brazil. I'm the only the first one that ever left the country. You know, or speak another language. Um, her family is here in Amarillo. They've been here for forever too. She's a Canyon girl. You know, she played with Coach Lombard. So okay. the, uh, we're not going anywhere. We might go to Canyon, but that's about it. Did did that upbringing? You know, not just the the constant awareness of your surroundings, but just growing up in a different culture from everybody else here. Do you think that that gives you maybe something different as someone in business, as someone in the community, that it, it brings you maybe a different perspective on things or um, an awareness that that maybe somebody's not going to have if, if they lived here their whole lives? Oh, yes. And that's something Auburn and I have talked about our kids. I think having that not living in the bubble, and I'm not saying that somebody living in Amarillo is a bubble because Amarillo is very diverse too. Um, I bring perspectives from a completely new culture uh, to the area. You know, one of the things that happens in Brazil business world is watching over your back and somebody always trying to take advantage of you. So mm-hmm. for my business clients and my clients always looking if they're trying to implement a new process or add a new employee or, the, you know, per se, an employee is trying to balance their checking account. It's like, hey, think about, you know, X, Y, and Z to make sure things happen correctly and you're watching over what's going on. But being from a different country, I understand from the very beginning that I was the oddball, meaning I was the one that was going to do things different, you know, my wife still makes fun of me even to this day that I put ketchup on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's right. She yeah, fun of you, right? I can tell in your face right now. I was like, yeah, you're weird. But again, it's... No, I've been to Brazil and I've had some interesting <laughs> foods. Nobody's ever served me pizza and ketchup before. But though. if you notice, if you went to the Brazilian uh, pizza place, you'll have ketchup and mustard and olive oil on that table. You mm. know, it's for you to be ready to serve. So... I understood from the very beginning that's something that my mom and I talked before I came here where, hey, um, you're going to be the oddball. Understand that they will do something different, but it's not to offend you, but it's because they're in their environment. You just need to watch and understand what's going on. Okay. As as a parent, you know, now that you have small kids, does it is it important to you to pass on some of that Brazilian heritage? I mean, are are, are they learning Portuguese or... Uh, are you trying to introduce some of that to them? Um, because I, I'm always interested in multicultural families, how that happens, how how much you try to hold on to some of that while also making sure they're not the oddballs, you know? Right, right, right. They're they're all going to have dual citizenship. So Charlotte okay. and James, they both already have dual citizenship. 
uh, Ryan will also have dual citizenship so that you know, from some odd case, something happens to me and something happens to my parents, they have that link with Brazil. Okay. Uh, but to be honest, I'm not doing a very good job of teaching Portuguese per se to my kids just because it's weird for my brain to switch back and forth. Yeah. Again, I, I, when I'm here, the only time I really speak Portuguese is when I'm talking on the phone with my mom and my parents and my family. But the culture, right? Like here's Brazil, here's the statue, you know, here's uh, the sugar loaf and here's a little bit of history of how, you know, Brazil became an independent country. Yes, absolutely. We will share that with them. And we want our kids to go there one one time by our, by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, your grandma is going to pick you up at the airport. You know, go here, 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 and, you know, see you, see you in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is a great experience, I'm sure, for them. It's something that I think every parent wants to do, regardless of where, you know, their the grandparents live. Yeah, it's just the, the, the little bit of the fear, right? And yeah, the parenting comes, that's you know, a little like, bit further than yeah. a lot of decisions. Does does Amarillo feel like home to you? Absolutely, no doubt uh, whatsoever. Even my mom said, "Like you have become an American." I was like, "No, no, no! I'm an Americanized Brazilian," <laughs> in a sense that Amarillo from Panhandle in general. You know, started with Plainview, with the people there taking me through their homes through Thanksgiving and Christmas while I was here as a basketball player, and then moving to Amarillo, not knowing anybody, just my wife's family and then my co-workers and developing that relationship. Now, one of my best friends and mentor is from Amarillo. And I would have never thought that he would supersede anybody that I've met in Brazil. Hmm. So yes, I am plugged in with, uh, with the Amarillo community. I don't see us going anywhere again besides Canyon, just because my wife is from there. Um, <laughs> that's that's still practically Amarillo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not going anywhere. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist since I was in college, and he's taken care of my kids' teeth now that they are college age, uh, and and he's done that ever since they were kids. He's a national speaker on Invisalign and uses that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning. You can learn more by following Shimon Dental on Facebook or visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Hey Amarillo is also supported this week by the Texas Outdoor Musical. This outdoor musical in Paladero Canyon State Park is only running for one more month. It lasts until the middle of August. It's now in its 56th season, and the musical is about the pioneers who first settled this area. It's an insanely talented cast this year, working in a spectacular setting, and if you haven't been yet this summer, don't miss the opportunity to see Texas. Reserve your tickets now at texas-show.com. That's texas-show.com. Okay, I'm back with Johnny Tara. Johnny, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes a set of tools made from bison bones, which were used by the Antelope Creek people who lived in this area from 1150 to 1450 AD, and they used bison shoulder blades as digging tools. Digging is hard enough with a nice metal shovel. So can I can imagine. I can imagine. That. Yeah. You can see that stuff at uh, Panhandle Plains and learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay. The first question I'm asking is a relatively new one, but when you think of Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? 
we share a little bit of that in the part one, but I, I would like to see more entrepreneurs. Like I, as I shared before, the Amarillo community, the city, the chamber have done a phenomenal job of of helping small business owners get started or continue their their entrepreneurship spirit and their mm-hmm. business. I see, I just I see that ten years from now surpassing even you know other cities that are more known for that right now. You know maybe Dallas or Houston. It'll, yeah, it'd be hard to catch up to them, but I think we'll will make good strides to be there. I think Amarillo is in a unique position just population-wise in that it is small enough that if you try something new, a new business or bring something new to the city, you can get attention really quickly. You don't disappear in the crowd like you might in Houston or Dallas. And so it it's a place where a lot of entrepreneurial you know, concepts can be tested. You can try something and, and have a little bit of a safety net. Uh, it's, it's a great place to start a small business and to be the first one to do something. It's something that's always fascinated me about this area. You know, we have uh, the WT Enterprise Center. You know, they do a fantastic job of pushing that. And and even some of their things that they're doing with that million cups, uh, mm-hmm. which is the having breakfast and just talking, sharing, you know, experiences and ideas. I think it's so neat for the Amarillo community. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? <laughs> um Road work and constructions. Yeah. You know, part of that, the, the growth, it's part of the pain see, of everywhere you go. You have to, you know, diverge or go do something or slow down just because there's construction there. Yeah, that's true. Um, we used to always say how, how great it was to live in Amarillo because you could get from one side of town to the other side of town so fast. But, like, it's become a little bit slower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially if you're going down, like, Western or <laughs> I-40, any of those places. What does this area not have enough of? I'll tie back with my first answer from the first question. I think is we don't have enough more small business. We have a lot, uh, but I think we can have more. I think, like you mentioned, I'm really is a perfect spot to try new ideas. So if you're thinking about it, the community will embrace that idea if done right. Why do you think it's important to have a lot of small businesses or a strong small business community like that? Um, small business ownership is the backbone of the American economy. Yeah, you would think about the big, big, big companies like Apple, Microsoft, you know, Google, and all that. But if you look at the actual statistics, I would say sixty percent or so. Don't quote me on that. It's an average that small business employed um, and generate income and gross income for the region. So I think it's so important, not just for the community, but I think for the person itself. You know, you you asked me earlier. You jump from employee, part-time owner to full-time owner and like right away. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that have helped me is become a better dad because I have to communicate with my customers. I have to communicate with, you know, with the employees now. I have communicated with now my partners. And being doing that, I think it just helps you grow as a person. Okay. That's, a, that's an interesting perspective. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? It's a s- small city, a heart with big city dreams. Okay. Um, you know, you still have the opportunity to know your neighbor, uh, but at, at the same time, you have many options where to eat and where to go. Okay. That's kind of the best of both worlds then. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Polk Street. Okay. Why is that? <laughs> One, because I've worked there, but two, it's part <laughs> of the Amarillo downtown. I think the the revitalization and the growing and the making downtown better for the past, I think, seven years have been in the city's plan, and I think they have done that. What's your favorite local restaurant? 
Sharky's. <laughs> Sharky's right. Burrito. Brent, Brent Apps is a family friend of ours, and we go there at least, you know, every other week for sure. Sharky's has not gotten enough love on this podcast, I don't think. It is one of those places, a big chain like Chipotle comes in, and everybody's like, oh, yay, Chipotle, we can build our own burrito, not realizing that, like, Sharky's is so much better. And it's so much bigger, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and so like they haven't seen any loss of business, you know, because a chain moved in several years ago, doing practically the yeah, same. Yeah, I think Shark is. I, they're probably doing better. Yeah, I, I, you know, to to your point, I think Shark is a fit that model of that small business that quote unquote run off a bigger business, you know, a franchise business. I'm really embrace the small business. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite coffee shop? Cliffside Charlie Brown during the work uh, weekends. Mm-hmm. And then Palace Coffee Flannel during the work week. Okay. So you have a, a work week drink and a weekend drink. Yeah. My wife, while she's not pregnant, she can drink caffeine, but we always try to get um, the Charlie Brown at Cliffside, which is right next to our house. And then if working Polk Street, you know, you have with Palace Coffee, it's right there mm-hmm. in Flannel. It's, like, and it's amazing. Okay. Okay. When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? I'm embarrassed and sad to say that I've never been. You haven't? I have not. You've been in this area for almost 15 years. <laughs> yes. It's uh, time you go visit. I, and take my kids now. And take your the, kids, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but yes, I have not been there. Okay, well, you know, that's... I, I still talk to people from time to time who have never been here and have lived here their whole lives. So it's one of those tourist places that uh, you still ought to, to go to as a resident. Um, and we will hold you to that. Somebody's going to listen to you say this, and we'll ask at some point. I'm hey, sure. that tall guy over there. Yes. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> okay, Johnny, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? I would like to, to endorse two of my clients that have been with me from the very beginning. And it's been really cool to, to have front row seat to their growth and their success. One is... Kevin Ward with Goose Hat Insurance. Okay. And then Taylor Wardell with TRX Roofing. Okay. Um, again, they're they're my clients from the very, very beginning, and I've been front row seat to their growth, and they take good care of their clients. All right. Yeah, I uh, I know Taylor uh, and have worked with him in the past. So, yeah, that's, that's great to hear. I, I always love when if your business – is doing well enough that your CPA is excited about the business? Like that means you're doing something right. I get if they succeed, I succeed yeah. as a CPA, and you know the relationship continues. Right, they continue to pay me on time and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's just watching them from the very beginning start their own business, figure it out what needs to be done, and then three years down the road look down and it's like, hey, you're doing good. And it's like, yeah, we're doing good. Looking the report, you know, year over year, mm-hmm. it's been it's been amazing to watch. Okay. Johnny Tara, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Johnny for the interview. You can learn more about him and his business at lpt.cpa. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors the Texas Outdoor Musical, Dr. Eddie Sauer and Shimon Dental, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring the show. And don't forget about the Hamrello Beer Fest this Saturday, July 23rd at Starlight Ranch. This podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash Hamrello. Hamrello's executive producers include Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wilson Lemieux, Jess Heredia, Wes Reeves, 
Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 257. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>